Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the expansion of David's kingdom as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. In the 8th chapter of 2 Samuel, there is chronicled for us certain of David's victories over their enemies round about, how that God was establishing David and his kingdom and was subduing his enemies before him. And so it tells about David's moves in many directions as he was expanding the kingdom. He took Mithigama out of the hands of the Philistines, and then he smote Moab, and uh, they became the tributaries of David. And then he moved a little north from there and came against Hadadezer and recovered the border to as far as the Euphrates. And from him he took a thousand chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 footmen. David hewed all of the chariot horses, but saved a hundred for the chariots. And then he moved against Damascus and captured Damascus, and the Syrians became the tributaries of David. He put garrisons in the city of Damascus. And David took, well, there's the phrase of the Lord preserved, at the end of verse 6, the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadaezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And then Toy sent Joram his son unto King David to greet him and to bless him because Toy had been fighting against Hadaezer. And Joram brought with him vessels of silver, vessels of gold, vessels of brass, which also King David did dedicate to the Lord with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all of the nations which he subdued. So you remember David had expressed his desire to Nathan to build a house for God. And Nathan, off the top of his head, said, oh, I'll do everything that you want to do. And then God spoke to Nathan and said, you spoke out of turn. David can't build a house for me. You must go and tell David because he is a man of war. He's a bloody man. His hands have been bloodied by battles and all. He cannot build a house for me, but I will build David a house and prophesied of the coming Messiah. But even though he was refused by God the privilege of building a house for God, yet David then set about to raise all of the treasure for the house of God. In other words, he started gathering gold and silver and brass in abundance, laying up a huge store so that when his son Solomon went to build the house of God, all they needed for the gold vessels and the silver vessels and and all was already gathered by David. So the Lord didn't say anything. You can't gather together all the loot to build the house, and so David set about gathering the wealth in order that the house might be built. 
He not only did that, he drew up the plans for the house of God so that Solomon only had to build it, and David did everything but build it, really. He gathered all of the precious metals and all. He, got, he, he created the plans and then left it to Solomon, his son, uh, to build the house of God. And so of Syria, verse 12, and Moab, the children of Ammon, the Philistines, of Amalek, the spoil of Hadezer, the son of Rehob, the king of Zobah, David got a name when he returned from smiting the Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He there killed 18,000 of them. Valley of Salt is south of the Dead Sea. He put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons. They became David's servants. The Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. David reigned over all Israel. David executed judgment and justice unto all of his people. And Joab, the son of Zuriah, was over the host. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud was the recorder, Zadok and Ahimelech were the priest, and Zerariah was the scribe. So these were really the men who served with David in his kingdom. Thus the kingdom was established under David's reign. In chapter 9, David sought to discover if there were any left from the house of Saul. Jonathan and David had made a friendship pact between them that they would do good and show kindness unto each other and to each other's descendants forever. And so now that David is established, he, he seeks to find out if there are any left from Saul's house that he might honor and they might keep this pact that he had made with Jonathan. And he was told concerning Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was only five years old when his father, Jonathan, was killed in battle with his grandfather, Saul, when they battled against the Philistines at Mount Gilboa. When his nurse heard that the Philistines had taken Jonathan and Saul in battle. She was fearful. She grabbed this little five-year-old son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, and sought to flee. And as she did, she dropped him and broke both of his legs. And not being set properly, he became a cripple. And so it was told David that Mephibosheth was yet alive. And so David called to have Mephibosheth brought in to him. And when Mephibosheth came in, he bowed down, did obeisance to David, and David said, hey, hey, none of that, don't be afraid. I want to actually honor you, seeing I made this pact with Jonathan and all, and he said, I want to restore to you all that belong to the house of Saul, all of the properties, the houses, the vineyards, and everything that belong to the family. I want to restore them to you. And you are to eat meat at my table from now on. He was to become a part of the entourage that ate with the king. And so David showed unto Mephibosheth great kindness for Jonathan's sake 
and for the vows and all that he had made with Jonathan. And then David took one of the servants and he made this servant and his family the servants of Mephibosheth. And Ziba with his 15 sons and 20 servants were given the orders to take care of his crops, to bring in the harvest, and, and to just watch over all that belonged to him. And so David showed unto Mephibosheth great honor and uh, was extremely gracious unto him. In chapter 10, it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanum his son reigned in his stead. And David, upon hearing the death of the king, sent certain men, certain of his men, emissaries actually, unto Hanum to express David's condolences and to just sort of greet them in David's name and express David's sorrow and all for the death of his father. Now, some of his counselors said, do you think that David is really just trying to, you know, show kindness to you? Listen, these guys are actual spies, and they've come to spy out the weakness of the land, and the next thing you know, David's going to be attacking you. And so Hanum took these emissaries that had been sent by David, and he cut off or shaved half of their beards, and cut off their skirts, exposing their backsides, and sent them away. Well, the guys were extremely embarrassed <laughs> and humiliated. And so David heard what had been done to them, and he said, you guys just wait down at the city of Jericho until your beards grow back again, and then come on back into the city. But over in Ammon, which of course is the present day Ammon, the capital of Jordan, they heard of how that these men were not allowed back into Jerusalem until their beards had grown back and so forth. And so they feared an immediate attack by David, and so they sent to Syria and hired from Syria 20,000 mercenaries to come and to help them fight against David. So when David heard that they had hired the Syrian mercenaries and others to fight against him, he sent his armies against the Ammonites. And as they came to battle, Joab saw that the Syrians were coming from the north, joining with them. So Joab said to his brother Abishai, we'll divide our forces in half. I'll take on the Syrians. You take on the Ammonites. And if they start to overcome you, then I'll come and help you. If the Syrians start to overcome me, you come and help me. But be valiant. Be strong. In fact, his, his, his words I thought were very interesting in verse 12. Be of good courage. Let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth 
him good. And so Joab came to the Syrians and the Syrians began to fall back before Joab. When the Ammonites saw that the Syrians were retreating, they too began to retreat and the men of Israel gained a tremendous victory over the forces of Hadezer, uh, over the Ammonites and over the Syrians in that battle. Now in chapter 11, it came to pass after these things that Joab and the army in the springtime when it was a good time to go out and fight after the winter rains were over and all, Joab with the forces went again against Ammon or the Ammonites. And David one evening after his afternoon siesta was taking a stroll on his roof. And from this vantage point up on his roof, looking over the city, he noticed in the courtyard of a neighboring house a beautiful woman bathing. And David began to lust after this woman. He said to his servants, who is that woman that lives in that house over there? And the servant said, that is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And so David commanded his servants to go over and to bring her to him. And there David committed adultery with her. And after a while, she sent a message to David that she was pregnant. So David sought to cover his sin. His son Solomon later wrote, He who seeks to cover his sin shall not prosper, but whoso will confess and forsake his sin, he shall be forgiven. David sought to cover his sin by sending for Uriah, who was in the army fighting with Joab. And he sent a note to Joab, send Uriah back from the battle. So Uriah came back and David said, how's the battle going? How's Joab? How are the troops? Ask him a lot of questions concerning the battle. And then he said, well, go on home, spend the night with your wife tonight. And David sent out to him a, a mess of meat and all so they could just feast and he figured that he'd go home and go to bed with his wife and later on when his wife would say, honey, I'm pregnant, that uh, no one would ever know the difference except for David and Bathsheba. And he figured that the whole thing could be covered over. But Uriah seemed to be a very honorable man. And instead of going home, he slept that night on David's porch with David's servant. And in the morning it was told David that Uriah didn't go home. He spent the night there in the porch. And so he called Uriah in and he said, hey man, why didn't you go home, spend the night with your wife? You know, after all, uh, you've been out fighting and all and you have a chance to spend the night with your wife. Uh, why would you sleep on the porch? And he said, well, he said, you know, Joab and all of my buddies are out there in the fields. They're sleeping out in the fields at night and all, and it wouldn't be right for me 
to enjoy my wife and my own bed and all when, when my buddies are out there in the trenches. I just couldn't do that. And so David said, well, tarry with me today and tomorrow. And so he kept filling the guy's wine glass, got him pretty drunk, figuring if he was drunk enough, maybe he would go home. But he staggered out to the porch of David's house, and there he went to sleep again. And so, as sin so often does, it leads to something worse. It begins to compound. It begins to develop in its insidious manner. And so David turned to a second plan more dastardly than the first. And that plan was to deliberately have Uriah killed in battle. And so David sent a message to Joab, sealed orders by the hand of Uriah, which said, when the battle gets hot, put Uriah in the front line of the hottest spot that he might be smitten and die. And so Joab began to assault the city of the Ammonites, and he sent an assault troop, assault troops up towards the wall, pursuing the Ammonites, and as they got close to the wall, the archers from the wall began to shoot at them and Uriah was shot and killed along with some of the other troops. And so Joab sent a messenger unto David to tell him of the battle and how things were going. And he said, if David gets angry because we approached the wall too close, then tell him that Uriah also is dead. And so the fellow came and told David of the battle, how that some of the men had fallen. They had been shot by the archers on the wall, and David became sort of angry because he said, that's foolish to come so near the wall. Joab knows better than that. And the messenger said, well, Uriah the Hittite was also killed. And David said, let the matter rest. It is okay. Bathsheba mourned for her husband, and after her period of mourning, David took her as his wife, figuring things were all right. But things weren't all right. God could not allow David's sin to go unnoticed or to go unpunished. The child was born. And David figured, well, that's great, you know. He no doubt came to love Bathsheba. His first experience with her was not an experience expressing love. It was an experience just expressing lust. But he no doubt came to love, even as I believe that many couples are attracted by certain physical characteristics and later on, they actually learned to love each other. 
Many times you're attracted to another person by certain physical characteristics and later on you'll learn to hate them as you really get to know them. So love doesn't always follow an attraction, a physical attraction. But people say love at first sight. No, it doesn't really happen that way. Interest at first sight. Attraction maybe. But love is something that grows. Love is something that develops in a relationship. And David thought that things were just going great until the prophet Nathan came to him. And Nathan said to David, there is a man in your kingdom who is very wealthy, had many herds, many flocks, many servants. And there lived next to him a very poor man who only possession was one ewe lamb. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 8-12 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you. May the anointing of God's Holy Spirit rest upon your life. And through His beauty, may your life shine forth. May God cause the fullness of His Spirit to rest upon you. And may your life be a strong testimony and a witness to those around of the grace and the love of our Lord. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today would like to invite you to come along on a revolutionary study of the Bible as we introduce Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary in an ebook format. 
Not only will you have Pastor Chuck's in-depth commentary, this ebook allows access to enhanced research studies by honored Christian scholars instantly. Features include Hebrew and Greek word definitions, as well as images of historical maps and places just by clicking or touching your screen. An online dictionary, plus highlighting, note-taking, and bookmarking. And everywhere Pastor Chuck shares what he learned or studied something, you now have access to those very same notes. To get ready to study the Bible in a whole new way. Now you don't have to imagine what it was like to be there. This is the next best thing. To find out how to download Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary to your electronic device, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or to watch a video demonstration, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.